Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Are you a business leader looking to take your career to the next level? Have you ever wondered what's the difference between a business advisor, a coach, a mentor? What are the different things that they do? Which one should maybe you be looking for? Well, today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook on advisors, mentors, and coaches. In it, you'll learn exactly what each of those three groups do, why they might be valuable to you, and how to find the best one to fit your needs. Be sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 209. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and today I am speaking to the CEO and president of Platinum PR. They are a boutique public relations firm providing businesses and organizations with cost-effective solutions for communications, marketing, and event planning needs. Our guest has significant experience in economic development and is a prolific speaker and trainer based in Maryland. We are so glad to have you here. Welcome to the show, Sandy Spinagle. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I'm thrilled to be here. I am so thrilled to have you. So I just shared some highlights um, of your career and a little bit about your business, Sandy, but could you actually um, take a few minutes and introduce yourself to our listeners? Maybe talk a little bit about um, how you've gotten to where you are today? Sure. I started my career right out of college and I worked in county government. I worked in an economic development office in West Virginia, and then moved into Maryland and was doing, again, kind of county economic development, which is all about helping the businesses in your community to grow and trying to align workforce development opportunities um, for your residents so that there's people can kind of truly live and work um, in their community. So the, the whole live, work, and play idea. That's wonderful. And I think that's, um, that's something that maybe not everybody sees the impact of that work in their community. But if you're part of a successful and growing town, city, county, you have somebody who's doing that. Um, You probably have a team that's doing that because it's not like growth just necessarily happens on its own. And so to have um, a group or a person that are so focused on what are the things that we can do to, like you said, make life better for the people who are who are living here, um, bring jobs to the area, um, bring amenities, and you know things like I would imagine parks and cultural events and institutions and things. It's such a powerful way to really contribute to the way people live their everyday lives. Yeah, there is definitely someone behind the scenes doing this stuff every day, um, and they partner with others that are doing similar work. You know, your local chamber of commerce might be really um, outwardly visible, but they're probably working with an economic development professional that is um, helping to um, align the current workforce with your current industries. Um, And, you know, so that there are opportunities for, you know, this generation of workers as well as the future. I am, you know, a mother of a college student. And so the idea of having opportunities for her to, you know, live and work wherever it is that she decides to land um, is really important. And so that's what the economic development community is doing is really to help those, um, the businesses to create an environment that um, creates opportunity uh, within that community to honestly, truly 
transform lives within their community. One of my clients is the Maryland Economic Development Association, and that's a tagline that they use is that economic development transforms lives and, um, you know, helps in all aspects of it. Definitely. And I think um, it's probably more obvious where maybe there isn't enough investment being made in communities. Um, And you see communities that are just fading away and um, the jobs that are created don't match up with the skill set of the people who are there or the only jobs that seem to be available within the community um, are really um, low wage jobs. And then you have the people growing up there who want to go to college and then there's no opportunity for them to come back and get work. I think of, um, I'm from Michigan originally, and and how much, you know, you you saw that happening and still see that happening um, in some towns. And uh, it's it's just such incredibly important work. So you started really working specifically within a county, but then you've started your own business. How did you get to the point of starting Platinum PR? Uh, I started my business 17 years ago when a girlfriend said, oh my gosh, wouldn't this be great if we did this together? <laughs> and I was like, why would I, why in the world would I want to do that? I love my job. I love what I was doing. You know, marketing communities, telling the story of this community. There are these two communities that I had worked in. Why in the world would I want anything else? But I don't know about you, but when somebody plants a seed... <laughs> Sometimes it grows without you wanting it to. You're like, I'm not watering this seed. What's happening? Do it. Doing it so hard. Why do I want that? But it um, ultimately, yeah, was has been truly an amazing career. So I've been able to work with nonprofits, with entrepreneurs, with you know small to medium sized businesses, as well as you know small to medium sized economic development offices or tourism based businesses that need you know, and can benefit from my background and passion and expertise in that area, coupled with, you know, what I have spent, like I said, 17 years kind of honing and developing and testing and playing with um, from a marketing and PR perspective. So it's been fun. Definitely. Because I would imagine, obviously, you're working with a community, a a tourism board or or an individual or an organization, and they're going to have their own skill set and their own expertise. But now, especially over 17 years doing this, you could be working with, um, you know, a tourism board in Tucson, Arizona, and they have an idea and you work with them to put it together. And then you're working with somebody in Boston. You're like, hey, let's let's implement something similar. And so to be able to kind of share those best practices across the country, across different areas, and even I would imagine take ideas and examples that you're learning in the private sector, you're learning um, in in businesses, and to be able to translate that to a community and vice versa, um, you've got like a real diversity of perspective and experience that must make everyday fun and also really add a lot of value to your clients. It definitely makes everyday fun. And yes, there are some things where you know, some examples, some best practices uh, that can be applied in different areas, applied to different things. But the beauty of all of it is that even if it's the same general concept of, mm-hmm. I don't even know what, blogging and telling the stories of your local businesses, um, you're still going to be doing it in a unique way that feels truly authentic to that to your community. So finding different ways of doing that. And it is one of the reasons, yes, that this work is always ever changing and 
truly super fun regardless of who I'm working with because you get to find, identify the individual strengths um, or assets of a team or of the community um, and then bring out of that what, how they could be most successful. Definitely. I think that that really encapsulates kind of what I love about consulting. Um, and so I think I'm kind of speaking from my perspective more than yours here. But yeah, like you said, you know, everybody's unique. And certainly you're approaching everything and you're learning something new with every new client. And you're getting a new perspective and something different, but also continuing to build on the base of skills that you're that you've experienced and, and things you've learned from prior roles. And um, I just find it so incredibly energizing to come into a new engagement and, you know, learn about different challenges and issues and ideas and things that I, I hadn't seen before. And I would imagine you see the same. Definitely, definitely. I mean, there is... There is something to be said for, you know, every rural community has some similar challenges. Um, but they also have so many amazing opportunities um, that can be presented. And so pulling out experiences, pulling out examples, um, you know, being there part of that brainstorm to see what has worked, what hasn't worked, why it didn't work. Um, oh my gosh, is yeah, definitely one of the most fun parts of the job. Definitely. That that actually reminds me, I was listening to a podcast last week. Um, it's uh, The podcast is called The Indicator. It's a, it's by NPR. And they, they talk about economic statistics. And they did an entire episode about Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and how it's the exact kind of county and community that has generally seen um, you know, poor economic outcomes over the last few decades. And they actually haven't seen that and they've seen growth and they went into all the reasons that that's happening. And like you said, every county is different. So you have a bunch of counties, even in the same state of Pennsylvania, who all look the same and are seeing the same outcomes. And then you see this one and it's like, why is that different? And to figure that out and to figure out, you know, what might work here that wouldn't work somewhere else. Um, who are the different communities that are here? You know, one of the unique things that's helped them grow is there's a big Mennonite and Amish population and they tend to have large families. And so you see other communities and they're seeing um, slow population growth, and then you see this area and they have a larger population growth just literally because of some of the religious and cultural traditions within that community. And if you didn't think of the uniqueness, um, you wouldn't necessarily notice why some of that stuff is happening. Yeah, no, I love that. And you're right. Every community, whether it's, um, you know, some of the cultural elements of the, sen the sense of community, the sense of place that the residents have, or it's your leadership. Um, mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, we could go down that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we could go down that, uh, you know, windy road all day, but, um, you know, figuring out, yeah, what it is that um, truly sets your community apart. You know, how do you have that sense of place? How do you have that sense of um, community? What is it that your residence really resonates with them? Um, and, and then, you know, how do you expand upon that? Um, how do you truly capitalize on those wins, on those successes? Definitely. Well, 
As I mentioned in the intro, our theme for the month of December is coaching. And I know you have a great perspective on coaching because you see coaching in a lot of different situations, uh, participating as a coach or as somebody being coached. So could you tell us a little bit about the ways that you interact with the concept of coaching? You know, it's interesting because it is very much of even what we've been talking about, kind of trying to figure out what the assets are, what the strengths are on a team um, and in a community, and then playing to those, playing to those strengths. So taking a step back to answer your question, um, Mm -hmm. yes, I have been coached um, and I have been a coach uh, in different areas of my life, both professionally and personally. I um, personally, I have been working with a health coach for a number of Mm -hmm. years and have also evolved into kind of playing a mentor role within that group. And it falls under this idea of where we're all just constantly learning and constantly trying to grow. So I'm trying to grow as a human myself, um, personally. Um, And then professionally, I have also started out as a student and moved into the trainer role with a public speaking group um, that I have been involved with. The, um, it's a program that was developed by um, a friend now. She's a, I consider her a great friend, colleague, uh, Melanie Spring, and her program is called Speak with Confidence. And so now I'm a trainer within that program trying to help others find their voice. We're not trying to develop robot speakers. We're trying to get people to feel most comfortable on stage or um on a podcast, having a conversation with another human being. Um, And then obviously, you know, in a coaching perspective, uh, I work with a lot of millennials and now Gen Zs and figuring out what it is that they need, whether they work for me or work with me or, um, you know, are part of a client team. How can we take their strengths and help them to truly grow and next level themselves. I really love all those different examples you have because I think it's really important when it comes to a concept like coaching that we think about the coaching that might happen in our personal lives, the coaching that might happen in our professional lives within the actual work context. And then the coaching that might happen in our professional lives outside the concept of the day-to-day work that we're doing, things like the the speaking um, group that you work with. And I feel like a lot of people, when they think about coaching, they really reflect on when they are a coach and don't always take the time to think about when they have been coached. And the more you can think about um, and, and put yourself in the position of the one who is coached, and um, and I think it's probably in some ways um, natural for you because you within two of your two of your contexts that you that you spoke about, you started as somebody who was coached, and you've kind of transitioned into being a coach. And I would imagine that you've learned some lessons there um, about what worked on you or what didn't work, and and you've been able to apply that when you're coaching other people. Definitely, 100%. Absolutely. The other piece of that is that just because I'm coaching others does not mean that I'm not, I've stopped learning. Definitely. Um, You know, you're always, I think, in that, you know, coach or mentor mentee relationship, you're always learning from one another and keeping yourself open to that 
environment, open to, um, open to learning, open to, um, you know, kind of identifying, you know, coming from it from a new perspective. Um, and yeah, just kind of just embracing the growth that could happen in any different way. Um, I was having a conversation with my mom this past weekend and she knows that I work with this health coach and she said, does she have anything for me? Like, does she have anything for somebody that's my age? Um, you know, my mother is going to be 70 years old here, you know, at the beginning of 2020. And I think at so many different points in our lives, um, we just need some support. We need to mm-hmm. feel part of a community. We need to, um, you know, feel like we have something to contribute, um, but also, you know, need, just need to know that we're not alone. And mm-hmm. it was um, just a sweet conversation that I had with my mom about this idea of coaching and finding somebody that could help her. And so she and I had an in-depth conversation about it. I won't, I won't go on, but, um, it was nice that it's not just something when you're in your professional career. Um, you know, my mother was And so that it was that piece of it also is while you're in transition at different points in your life, how do you manage that transition? Absolutely. And I think that's also a really great example that, when you are um, receiving coaching and people can see that and know that about you and they see the value in it, it becomes really attractive to them to to get similar coaching for themselves. Um, If you were not evidencing benefit from the coaching that you're participating in, whether as a coach or somebody receiving coaching, you know, people around you wouldn't wouldn't think, oh, that's something I want to look into for myself. So the fact that your mom notices that it's adding value to you, that it's helpful, um, and starts to think, hey, I want that for myself, that's a really um, compelling uh, indication that the coaching is, you know, adding value and is is beneficial and is, you know, noticeable by people around you, um, which is always a good sign. I do hope that that is translated into my work environment. And maybe we should, you know, bring in a part <laughs> two and, you know, get one of my colleagues to come on your podcast too. To, but um, I think that that's something, you know, you want to be a role model. You want to, you know, I'm leading a team and I want to set the tone that we're we're never done learning. We're never done asking for help. We're never done, um, you know, getting that engagement and mm-hmm. um, connection with others. So I've always, yeah, felt really passionate about the team spending, you know, at least one hour a week doing something that is you know, that they're learning from, um, you know, whether it's, um, a webinar that is unrelated and, you know, in a consulting practice, you know, we're all about, it's on the small business. I don't have, you know, unlimited hours for people just to like hang out on, you know, watch webinars, but it's so important (laughs) for them to stay current and to know that I not only want this, but that's the expectation is that you are always learning. Um, and so setting that tone um, is important. Absolutely. I think about, um, like you said, a lot of times, whether you're working in a small business or even in a larger organization, 
there can be this sense that you should be spending 40 hours a week doing the work of your job, you know, creating deliverables for people or for clients or um, building reports, whatever it is that you do <laughs> on a day to day. And a lot of times people don't invest the time and energy in learning to be better at their craft. They're just, you know, you will get better at it by doing it day by day. Yeah. And so there's certainly a level of improvement that you get, but you're not going to get new ideas unless they just randomly pop into your head. Um, you're not going to be, you're not going to know the trends that are happening in the industry. You're not going to maybe stay on top of all of the buzzwords and, and other things. And if, if you aren't taking some time to, you know, do you know what are the key blogs in your industry and are you checking them regularly? Do you listen to maybe some of the key podcasts? Do you follow some of the speakers on, on YouTube? Do you go to events? Are you reading books? Um, and really thinking about, obviously, your own personal style of learning and what's going to work for you as an individual. What is the appropriate amount of time that you can invest. It's not going to be like eight hours a week, probably for most people. It's figuring out what's a reasonable level. Um, but then making sure that at least something is happening because you're right. It's, it's, it's important. And it can really only come from leadership to say, Hey, not only is this acceptable, but this is expected because otherwise people are going, you know, you're going to have some people who are going to maybe read uh, a business related book on their commute. Um, or, or do something else and it's in little bits and pieces and then other people who don't, and they're going to really fall behind mm -hmm. because they might not have time outside of work. Maybe they have family commitments or other things that make it really difficult for them to, to do this kind of development outside of work. And they're going to be really at a disadvantage, um, if they're not able to do it within business hours. Yes. A hundred percent. And which is this, why I have tried to make that a priority. And, you know, like I said, I work with a lot of people that are really young in their career. Um, many of my employees over the years have, this has been their first job. I enjoy giving somebody their first shot um, and helping them to grow. And, you know, so setting the tone there a little bit that um, life is all about learning the next thing so that you can up level. And so then you can also share it with other members. I recently had a team member take a two day class. And the only expectation was that she come back and tell me everything that I don't know about this topic. Because <laughs> um, I, uh, you know, I didn't have the capacity to take the two day class, I was investing in her to do that. And, um, you know, so and creating a culture of collaboration as opposed to like, okay, no, 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 I've got to keep this a secret. And I can't tell anybody else what I know. Oh my gosh. No, like uh, you just, I want to be constantly doing a brain dump and for you to understand not necessarily how I got to this answer, you know, what the answer is, but how I got to the answer. So yeah. definitely. And I really love that example. Um, and that's actually something it reminded me when you were saying that, um, that we used to share that in trainings as a tip. Um, but it, it's a really great way to leverage any development. So let's say you're a manager and you have a team and somebody says, Hey, can I attend this, um, this event? Or even you're a manager and you find out about an event and you think, okay, this would be really good if we could get the information out of this event. I can't go. I can't have everybody on my team go. And so to say to somebody, Hey, we're going to invest in you and we're going to buy you a ticket to this. We're going to, um, you know, set aside the time and you're going to be 
you know, we're going to take away your responsibilities for this period of time. We're investing in you to attend this event. Um, but your responsibility is to learn and get enough information out of it and then come back and we expect you to deliver a report, you know, not, not like a written report, but just kind of a verbal presentation to the team on the key things that you learned. And, that's kind of your ROI on that event that was attended. And then you're taking it out of that one person's head. You know, maybe they leave the team in a few years or even a few months. You don't want to get all that investment and have it leave with them. And so if you can take whatever they learned and translate it back to the rest of the team, you're going to see significant, you know, kind of exponential benefit from it um, just by sending that one person. Yeah, I, I actually just wrote a blog on that topic um, because I do feel so passionately about that. Um, and I was also also gave that same advice. I was at a conference and gave that advice to somebody who said, this is my first time coming. I don't know if I'm going to be able to come back again. I said, well, then you need to show value. You need to show your team why, like go above and beyond a little bit. Like you don't want them to think that you were just off, you know, partying at a conference. No, no, no. Like you went to these six sessions and this is what you learned sessions. And this is what you learned. And these are the the business cards that you collected. And now what are you doing with the information? So really finding ways to, um, show value in your particular approach to attendance. Definitely. All right. Well, you've shared a couple of things so far, but really specifically, um, I know one of the ways that we often see coaching, uh, as it's set up within businesses is organizations will create like formal mentoring programs. And I know you've seen mentoring, whether it was formal or more casual, you do it yourself. And then you also see it with your clients. Um, What have you learned about specifically how to make kind of that mentoring approach more effective? So I think that whether it's formal or informal, um, having something, creating an environment where people can say, hey, do you mind if I sit down with you periodically, you know, I've got an idea. I just don't know what to go, where to go with it. Um, you know, but creating an environment early on, um, it's not something, and if you don't have it already established, just establish it now. Yeah. Don't Um, hesitate. creating, (laughs) Creating that culture so that people feel comfortable asking up to be mentored, but also offering you know, to somebody new. Um, one of the things that I will often do, <laughs> I hope it's well received. I know it has been most of the time, but if there's somebody that I connect with, just offer that help. Reach out to those that uh-huh. I truly feel have some potential, but might not feel comfortable connecting with somebody in their organization. This is particularly um, relevant in really small organizations, uh-huh. um, you know, where they don't have somebody in house. Like it's, you know, might be two or three people and, Oh, who do I go to in this scenario? Um, but if you, you know, work with a consultant, you work with somebody um, in a complementary organization, you work with, um, you know, you have a, a partner collaboration, you have somebody that is just a, that you've met at a conference, you've met at a chamber networking event, whatever it happens to be, if you see they have potential, offer it up, offer, give them some advice. I was, um, you know, offering some 
<sighs> it was unsolicited. Okay, I'm going to admit it. I was offering unsolicited advice about a week ago to um, a woman because I think that she just needed to know that I saw that she had this potential, but I also saw that she was following it, falling into um, like a similar routine. Mm-hmm. And so coming to it from a place of kindness and respect um, is also really important. Um, you know, you do, it's, it's a golden rule element. You know, I'm going to try to coach somebody in a way that I want, would like to have received the information myself. Um, and, but life professionally, personally, it's not a competition. Mm-hmm. So if there's anything that we can do to help the next generation, um, or help someone that is in transition, I think it's really important. Definitely. I love that. And I think that's a good kind of golden rule to always have when it comes to coaching, when it comes to mentoring. If you're coming from the right place, if you're coming from a place of kindness and respect and really wanting to contribute to people, you might misstep, but people are going to be okay with that. They'll forgive you. If yeah. you're coming in wanting to be a busybody, if you're coming in thinking I'm a know-it-all and, you know, I I have been doing this for decades and I have all the wisdom in the world and you are a young junior person, you're a generation C, you don't know anything. Let me share my wisdom from on high with you. Um, that comes through <laughs> no matter how, how nice you think you're being. And so it's really where are you coming from? And if you're coming from the right place, um, people will forgive, you know, unsolicited advice, unless they're having a terrible day. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't really matter what it is that you say, it's not going to work. But in general, I think most people, um, they can tell if you're, if you're coming in and just trying to be helpful and you're doing it in a respectful way, they'll take it in the, in the spirit that it was given. I think that there is definitely this element of, um, you know, being kind of being vulnerable yourself, Mm -hmm. um, that where I will often, when, when I'm about to give unsolicited advice, again, I'm using this example, it's not always the case, but um, they, you know, to come to use, using an example first, mm-hmm. that is someplace where I've misstepped mm-hmm. or um, someplace where, you know, I was in a similar situation and this is how I handled it. Um, and in hindsight, it was not the right way. So I'm sharing with you so that you don't make the same mistakes that I did. You know, you're going to make your own mistakes and that'll be great. Um, but you know, really what are we, if we're not here to share and teach and help one another and, you know, just help our fellow humans. So I think being a little bit, um, you know, kind of just letting your guard down a little Uh bit and, um, you know, coming from that place will help somebody to connect and resonate with you. Now, as you can tell, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't define myself as like, you know, a hard ass CEO, Um, (laughs) but I, you know, I can, I can pull it out if I need to, I can be, uh, I can be tough if I need to. But I think in these instances where we're talking about, you know, really helping to grow a team and helping to, um, you know, cultivate this next generation, um, or we want us all to kind of be working together from a place of, um, you know, mutual respect and advancement, then, you know, we need to let our guard down and be a little vulnerable. 
Definitely. To say something like, you know, hey, here's a lesson I learned the hard way. And mm-hmm. I'd love for you not to have to learn it the hard way like I did. Yeah. And um, I'll, I'll even share, you know, the story of how I messed this up and, you know, make myself a little, like you said, make myself vulnerable by by sharing that example and to say, you know, because I had that experience, because I, I did it wrong, because I got this negative feedback, um, here are some ways that I, that I've developed processes and approaches and, and systems for myself that you might be able to learn from. Yeah. And the more also I would imagine that you're speaking the same language as somebody that you're sharing examples that are very relevant to them, um, the easier that it might be to have that connection. Because if you can't really put yourself in their shoes, if your, if your experience is wildly different from theirs, then, um, then they might not be as receptive to your coaching because they might not feel like you really understand where they're coming from because Bluntly, you might not. And so to really think about um, what is the relevant experience that I have to to them and um, and and how can I, you know, communicate that in a way that that they know that I that I kind of know what I'm talking about (laughs) to, to just be blunt about it. Yeah, well, and I think that that's a perfect lead into another point that I wanted to make, which is that this mentor mentee relationship or this coaching relationship doesn't have to be people with a 20 or 30 year age difference. Uh Like you can really, you can coach, you can advise, you can be powerful colleagues to somebody with, um, you know, just a little bit um, of a difference. I was talking with, I published an article this past spring um, talking about this idea of communicating effectively across generations. So I was talking with economic development organizations across the country, trying to figure out what they were doing Mm -hmm. um, to connect and communicate across generations. One of the organizations shared with me that they used to have this mentor-mentee relationship where somebody new is coming into the team. Let's say they're 25 years old. They are paired with somebody that's you know been there for 20 to 30 years. Oh, lovely. So somebody that could be 50 to 60 years old. In some elements, that seems great. You know, you've got somebody that's, you know, wise, that has got so much institutional knowledge that is teaching this idea of, you know, work ethic and performance and expectations. But that was where it ended. Like they did not, they felt a complete lack of connection. And so what they did was they brought in somebody that had been in the organization for five to 10 years (laughs) to mentor the person that had been there for a few months. And that made, um, you know, it shrunk the age difference, um, you know, kind of naturally. And then they were able to feel a greater connection. Um, They were able to find greater relatability to those individuals. And it has been very, very beneficial. So even if you have a program, figuring out, like looking at it with a, um, you know, really constructively to see if it's still working. You know, this program that you might have implemented years ago might not be working anymore. Um, And how could you modify it? 
Definitely. I, I love that story because like you said, you, you can learn from anybody. And even mm-hmm. honestly, somebody who's got that 20, 30 years of experience might learn from a 25 year old kid that just started. Uh, but I can, I can call him a kid, but um, I've, I've gotten old <laughs> enough to do that. Uh, oh my goodness. I feel old sometimes. We have an intern starting this week and I saw his, his birth date and I just about fell off my chair. So, <laughs> um, but, but, so we can, we can learn from anybody, but if you're setting up your coaching program and you think the only people who are allowed to be coaches have to be old enough to be parents or grandparents for the people that they're coaching, um, that's not that's not a good way to think about it. Like you said, it's first of all, you might have a very different experience that somebody who's been in, in a job for 20 years had an experience coming up that's wildly different than somebody who's starting today. And there are challenges that people experience today that might not be relevant to somebody who's been around for a long time and vice versa. Somebody, um, you know, a woman who had to fight tooth and nail to get where she is today in in a position of leadership might have some experiences and some perspectives that she's learned the hard way, but aren't necessarily as relevant for somebody who might've found, you know what, I was able to just start just fine. And and I'm not seeing those same challenges. That doesn't mean, again, that you can't learn from each other, but it might make it harder to have a mentor relationship versus somebody else who's just one step ahead of you on the ladder. It's very easy to see how they, how they got to where they are and, um, and, and what's worked for them. So I think that's a really great learning. And again, not, not dismissing coaching in other situations, but just, uh, something that might be helpful. Well, and I admitted at the beginning, I've got at least three different, quite formal coaching relationships with others. So um, the idea that you have one coach, one mentor, um, that's going to cover all aspects of your life, don't limit yourself. Don't put that kind of pressure on one person. Um, you know, and if you are in that mentor, that coach mentor role, um, you know, again, if just because you have a relationship with somebody, it's okay for them to have other coaches. It's okay for them to have other mentors that can, um, are helping them in other areas. Definitely. So, they're not cheating on you. <laughs> no, they're not. It's, give them the freedom to, uh, to, to know that we cannot be all things to everybody. So. Definitely. And, and that really frees you up if you're coaching somebody and that uh, on one area or in a few areas of their, of their life, of their work, and then they have another specific coach that's working with them on a, a specific thing that that's a relief to you. You should, you should view that in a positive way. Yep. All right. Yeah. We've, we've shared some best practices here. And um, I think a lot of really good advice for people, both coaching and being coached. I'd love to hear if you have any examples, and I think you've shared a little bit of this, but any other examples of mistakes that people make either when they're coaches or when they are being coached that we need to look out for? Um, in any situation, it's not about me. It's about you. And in this conversation, it's not about the information that I want to kind of push out to the world. It's about what your listeners are trying to absorb. So really putting yourself um, in the mindset of those other individuals and, um, you know, providing something of value. We're not looking, oftentimes you see people just that want to get up on their pedestal and preach it all out. Mm-hmm. No, I think you. The idea of making a strong program is for people that 
really genuinely want to help and support somebody else. Um, it's not about me. It's about them. And, um, so that would be, that would be my big thing. Um, and then the other piece that we've done a good bit with in the office that again, we could go down a a different track, but is this idea of kind of self-awareness and Mm -hmm. self-evaluations. Use um, Gallup Strength Finder. Oh, I um, love that program. And so there are, um, you know, there's certainly a host of different evaluation pieces that your organization can look at. But, um, and I would, you know, pick one or two that work, you know, test them out. Find something that works for you as a tool. It's not going to be the end-all be-all, but it does provide some great insight. Um, I it's Strength Finder is one of the first tests that we do for any new hire. We do it for interns, even if they're just going to be with us for a month, um, because I want to know. I want to know, you know, what your particular strengths are. One of mine that I discovered early on is that of a maximizer. So I like finding out the strengths of other people. And I like, you know, really kind of customizing what kind of work that they're going to be doing um, based on their strengths. I want people to succeed. And so, you know, creating a program like that. Um, And then finally, again, you know, look at it with a, um, you know, through a fresh lens and see what is working in your organization, ask people what's working. Uh Um, And if it's not, then tweak it, modify it. You know, there's nothing etched in stone um, in these different programs. And there are so many resources like this podcast out there that, um, you know, are opportunities for you to learn, enhance, tweak your program so that it's best for your organization. Absolutely. A couple of different things um, based on based on what you just shared, because there's there's so much wisdom there. Um, I had an episode last month, and I will include a link to this in the show notes for anybody who missed it with Michael Moon. And we talked a lot about um, that the theme for November was gratitude. And so we were talking about gratitude, but we also talked about character strength and the importance of understanding your strengths and working on those because there's this natural tendency in a lot of people and I think in our American culture of always looking for weaknesses and trying to fix weaknesses. But if instead of focusing on weaknesses, you focus on strengths, you're, you're, you might see significant growth and um, you're going to, you know, as a leader, as a manager of somebody, do you want to just know what their weaknesses are and avoid them? Or do you want to know what their strengths are so you can set them up to be successful for yourself? If all you think about are your weaknesses and trying to shore up around them, you're potentially missing out on a really big opportunity to take one of your strengths and just grow it significantly. Um, and, and then you don't even have to worry about the weakness. So that was a, I loved the conversation with, with Michael about that. And I think our, our listeners will as well. Um, but that, that's such a powerful perspective, Sandy, when it comes to coaching. And it's so important that, that people have the self-awareness and that their leaders and managers and teammates also have the the awareness of their strengths because there's there's power in both of those. One is just for yourself. It's good to know yourself and um, and and you're always the best advocate for yourself or you should be able to be. Um, but the, to then have managers and leaders and, and coworkers around you who care as much as you do about um, 
about being, you know, about leveraging your strengths and helping you be successful, that's a, that's a wonderful place to be. And, um, I think we all want to work in a place where we have a leader, we have a manager who really cares about our strengths and about helping us be as successful as we possibly can. Yeah, no, I love that um, concept. Obviously, it is something that I I try to do because you're right. We're not trying to create many robot versions of ourselves. We're trying to, you know, next level our team to be the best version of themselves. So it's, it's great. Definitely. Um, and then what you were saying about always being open to making a coaching program better. I think a lot of times when it comes to, again, either a, a really structured program or even kind of a less structured coaching relationship that we might have, it's really easy to fall into a groove and to just kind of think the way it's always been done is the way it always ca- needs to continue to be done. And so we're not going to make any changes. We're just going to um, keep on keeping on. And I really love that um, advice to always be open to improvement. Because if you're not, you're actually going to be constantly falling back without realizing it. And so to, um, to think about, you know, we could, we could change who the coaches are. We could change how we have conversations. We could change um, the, the length of time that a coaching session lasts, like all kinds of other little things up to big things. And if you're not open to that, if you're not open to improvement, you're, you're really avoiding the truth that um, there's always room for improvement in anything. And especially over time, things change and we have to adapt. Yeah, definitely. I think really giving people permission to be the have create and to be the most successful versions of themselves is, yeah, would be a nice takeaway for today that I would like to leave people with is really just kind of permission to, yeah, permission to grow, permission to, um, you know, be the best version of yourself and share that with others. Definitely. I think that's, that's a message that's really come out through our whole conversation today. All right. Speaking of learning, speaking of growth, one of the best ways um, that I see to do that is to read. I'm a reader. So I know not everybody is, but a lot of our listeners are. Um, When it comes to books, are there any key books that you would recommend either specifically related to kind of coaching and mentoring like we've been talking about or just general um, personal improvement or business related books? So honestly, in case you couldn't tell from the number of times I used the word vulnerability. I'm a big Brene Brown fan. Um, and, you know, so I think anything, you know, that she is writing and talking about in that space is really helpful. And then the other book that I actually have not started reading, but I'm, I was going to start last night, (laughs) some work overpowered me. Um, but it's this idea of community. The book is called belong and, um, it is, you know, about, you know, helping people find or create communities to live a more connected life. And I think that we're all in search of community and finding the space that feels the best and most authentic for us and can help to, you know, really energize us to move forward. Obviously, everything I do, work personally, um, work and you know, personally and professionally is centered around the sense of community, the sense of place. Um, but I like this idea of belonging. So that's wonderful. Be- 
Actually, two books that are on my brain today. <laughs> well, it's so funny that you mentioned Brene Brown because literally yesterday in church, um, as part of the message, they showed a, a video, just a clip from her. I think it came from a TED talk when uh, about empathy. And um, so clearly she's top of mind for me right now. And like, I love, I love those two concepts, vulnerability and openness and empathy, and then community. Community is such a powerful concept. It's a word that we throw around a lot without really thinking about what it means. But I think probably because of the work that you do in economic development, you have a very strong definition of geographic community and, and you know, regionalized community. And if, if you think about the power and strength of community in that context, and then you think about how you can apply that in the the more theoretical concepts of community. You know, we have a community of people who share the same hobbies as us or a community of people who are of the same generation as we are, a community of people who are doing the same kind of work, whatever those communities are. Um, really recognizing the strength of that community, really recognizing the, the unique opportunities that it creates. And then how can you, how can you work to, you know, make that even better for people and, and invite people to a community or, you know, create a community where maybe there wasn't one in the past. It's such a, such an exciting opportunity. And I think a lot of times um, we kind of just stumble blindly, uh, blindly along, not really thinking about the communities that are available around us. A hundred percent. Yes. And all of those aspects, it's yes. The sense of community, what it means geographically and so, and far beyond that is, Yes, something that I'm playing with and creating that community in your in your place of business within your organization, mm -hmm. you know, getting, you know, creating that community where people feel um, safe to grow and learn and um, share their expertise uh, and, you know, try new things and um, know that they're going to be received from with a place of, you know, respect and encouragement is yeah the type of community and the type of culture i'm trying to create and foster well it definitely sounds like you are you're probably succeeding at that i think the more the more you think about it and um you know it's just just like we mentioned earlier when it comes to coaching if you have the intentions and you're coming from the right place it, no matter if you have a few stumbles along the way you're still likely going to end up in a pretty good place all right. Here at Let's Talk Sales, we are always focused on providing actionable advice and tips and best practices for people that they can apply immediately to their lives. Um, do you have an actionable tip that you would recommend for our listeners? Um, I would encourage people today to reach out to, to somebody within their organization or someone that they know that is newer in their career, newer in their profession, um, and offer themselves up as a resource. Um, I think making that first step to put yourself out there, have a conversation with somebody that just says, Hey, I see you've got so much amazing potential. I want you to know I'm here for you. I'm in your corner. Let me know what I can do to support you. Um, so I like, <laughs> I like, you know, something I would love for people to, you know, turn off this podcast today and come up with somebody has popped into their mind, um, identify who that person is and reach out to them. 
Uh, it can be somebody from church. It can be somebody from your community. It can be your next door neighbor. It can be somebody who works down the hall from you. Um, but make yourself available as a resource. I don't care how long you've been in your business. I don't care how long you've, you know, been doing your thing. You've got something to share. You have expertise and encouragement and wisdom to share with another. Absolutely. Such powerful advice. And I think something that, um, like you said, everybody, you've probably had somebody pop up in your mind as you were listening to this episode. Um, if not, spend just a minute thinking about somebody. And it doesn't have to be, I would like to set up a coaching relationship with you that will be talking for a week, you know, <laughs> for an hour every week no, for eternity. No. It can just literally be, hey, I was thinking about you and remembering when I was where you are today. Um, just want you to know I'm a resource if there's anything that you need or if you have specific feedback for somebody. Um, something that I always find helpful and something that that we do internally at Criteria for Success is if you want to offer somebody coaching to say, hey, are you open to some coaching in this area? Okay. And that is a way to just check and see if you've got that relationship, if, yep. if, if people are, are ready for it. And then if they say yes, just say, you know, I, mention the strengths, mention areas for improvement, whatever it might be. But again, coming with that, that foundation of kindness and respect, um, you can never really go wrong. Yeah. And that initial conversation doesn't even have to be, go to that level of, are yeah. you open for coaching? But just, I see great potential in you. I just Absolutely. wanted you to know that. And by opening the door and sharing something, some unsolicited bit of encouragement that you see some potential in another human is going to break down a wall. It's going to break down, a, you know, what might have been a barrier there. Um, and so they might come back to you in a day, a week, a month, a year and say, wow, you know, I know you saw this in me. I could really use some help. Do you mind? Do you have five minutes? Um, yep. And you, you created know. the foundation just yeah. with that initial conversation. Yep. All right. Well, I have just absolutely loved our conversation today, Sandy. I hope our listeners, um, I'm sure they did as well. Uh, if you want people to learn more about you and your work, where should they go? I have, well, I'm on all the social things, <laughs> Facebook <laughs> and the LinkedIn and the Twitter and the things, but uh, um, they can find you know information about Platinum PR at platinumpr.com or about me um, at sandyspinagle.com. So, and if they can spell spinagle, I'm hoping that you've got a link in the, in the notes or something, but it's a S-P-O-N-A-U-G-L-E. So sandyspinagle.com. Definitely. We will include links to all of that in the show notes. Cool. <laughs> um, so thanks again, Sandy, for speaking with me today. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. We will be sharing notes and resources, including links for everything that we've been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 209. Be sure to tune in next week for my interview with Kayla Lim. She works in sales training, content creation, and sales enablement at Creator IQ. In the meantime, check out this Friday's inspirational episode where Natalia, she is back from her maternity leave, and she will share a great quote that is sure to inspire you. As a reminder, if you have any feedback for us, topics, questions you'd like us to address, you can reach us at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. If you're enjoying the show, please recommend us to a friend and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. While you're there, please leave us a rating or a review. This will help more people find the show and it lets us know what's working and where we have room to improve. Remember to follow us on Twitter at let's underscore talk underscore sales. 
Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ariana Miskell, Laura Marchoff, and me, Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling!